So yeah, this is in the book of Acts chapter 16. This is a slave girl who was possessed by a demon. We're going to be addressing a little bit of demonology today. And she was possessed by a spirit of divination. Now demons are fallen angels according to the scriptures. They have different strengths. They have different capabilities. There are unclean spirits. There are spirits of divination. There are spirits, uh, demonic spirits that causes infirmity in the Bible. Uh, they cause people to have physical ailments. For instance, we see, we see one, lay, one, one person in the scripture who was bent over and had been that way for a very long time. A demon was cast out and immediately they, they were made straight. We see people who are paralytics. We see people that were not able to walk. All were demon-possessed. And the demon had seized control of the host, causing the issues in which that demon was a particularly responsible for or what it particularly was. Okay, as far as its kind of association in the spirit world. You see fasting and prayer going on in the Bible to cast out demons. Some demons are stronger than other demons. Some demons, there are, there are kind of levels in demonology. There are archangels, there are seraphim, there are cherubim. All these kinds of demons fell in the great fall when Satan led a rebellion against God and they were removed from the kingdom of heaven. These fallen angels became de demons, spirits today that you and I have to deal with. They look for a human host so that they can live out this life in human form. It is their utmost desire. When Jesus tells us to love our enemies, what he's saying is this. The person created in the image and likeness of God is good. It's what's behind them is what makes them do what they do. It's the compelling spiritual force behind each person that makes a person good and evil. There is evil in this world. I spoke to a man on the phone the other day and I told him, I said, one of the books that we, I've pinned down that I really want to write one of these days and perhaps when I retire I'll have a chance to do that, but called The Reality of God. Is God real to you? How real is this to you, Julie? Is God a real thing to you, Vero? Is he real at all? Is, is this just something we do out of habit that we come to church? Or is hell a place that is real to you? Just as real as heaven is real to you. Because it does exist. The reality of God whether or not you truly believe and God is really real to you will show forth in your life. Is your decisions made based on the reality of God to you? Is God so real that you do what you do because of God's reality in your heart? Or is this simply just knowledge obtained but not adhered to? That's the question. The reality of hell, the reality of heaven, the reality of God. The reality of being saved, the reality of being unsaved. Those two things, the, these things, 
determine whether or not you go to heaven or hell. Demons exist, whether you want to believe it or not. There is a spiritual world that is not visible to your eye, but is there nonetheless. Just the same as the air we breathe. You're breathing it in and exhaling it, but you can't see it. But you know that it's there because it keeps you alive. The same thing in the spirit world. There are demons amongst us right now. There are demons in your life. There are people who are demonically controlled that you know. It's just you've become so desensitized to demonic activity that you don't even understand what it is. You just accept it for everyday living. But one of the things that we as Christians, as we get converted and we we get saved and we get in tune with the spiritual side of things, A, by coming to church and by learning and by B, walking in the spirit, by walking in what you believe, by living what you believe, by the reality of God in your life, God is going to navigate you through a spiritual warfare. That's what he does. And so if you don't even believe in all of this, then you're so far in left field, it's going to take a while to even reel you in to where you understand. But I want you to read this with me as we take a look at a demon-possessed person, okay, And then we're going to talk about what does it mean to be demon-possessed and how does it happen and what goes on and what attributes does a demon-possessed person have. Okay? So here's what it says about this slave girl. This is going down into Philippi. Now this this little incident that's going to happen, uh, you know, I'm not going to read all of this, but I'll, I'll paraphrase what I'm about to read. But they're going to run into this demon-possessed girl. Paul's going to cast the demon out of her. She's making her owners all kinds of money. They they get Paul and Silas thrown into jail, which leads ultimately to the salvation of the jailer, which begins a whole movement in this town. Okay? But I want you to look at this little thing that was going on right here. So here's a girl. Imagine us walking. Now, this is real people who really lived... Just like you and me. They are not some uh, X-Man kind of thing, okay? They are just normal human beings, just as if me and Rich or or, or, or me and Nijay or me and Tomcat was to go on a, say, hey, Tom, come on, let's go walking over into Beaver beaver Pie. Philippi Beaver Ditch. Okay, let's go. And on our way there, we run into this woman. And here she is. She is a fortune teller. Okay. Now, how many times have you heard of fortune tellers? Anybody ever heard of a fortune teller? They're all over the place, right? Well, according to what the scripture says, if a fortune teller can really tell the future, then they are demon possessed. This is not of God. So if you read tarot cards or if you look at horoscopes or you try to read palms or you try to look into mysticism in this way, that is demonic activity. This is exactly what was going on with this girl right here. But the thing about this is 
She was, she was owned. She was a slave. And her fortune telling brought her masters a lot of money because she was accurate. She was the real deal. And a lot of people say, well, I went, I went to a fortune teller one time and they told me all about mommy. And mommy talked to me through them and, oh, and they told me everything that no one else could have ever known. Well, yeah, you were talking probably to a demon. That wasn't God. No, I want you to look at this. In the 16th chapter, in the 16th verse, it says, One day as we, Paul and Silas, were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, there's a demon-possessed slave girl. Hi, how are you doing today? She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Now listen at what she was shouting. These men are the servants of the Most High God. And they have come to tell you how to be saved. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of TV preachers to me. How is a demon saying something like this? This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. How about that? Father in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus. We ask you to give us wisdom in the word now, God, as we preach it. To let us stand against the wiles of the devil. Lord, as we know that when we expose him, we become a target, but greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. And we ask you to rebuke Satan from amongst us, God. And God, we give you all the praise and the glory. And Lord, we ask you to help us to preach this with the anointing and with power, not of our, not of our own selves, but of the spirit of God that is within us. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Looking at this particular scripture, one would think, well, what is wrong with this person? How can this person be demon possessed when they're telling the truth? Well, going back and looking at the town in which they were in, they were very much into the Roman mythology and Roman belief system of Apollo and, 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 and Python. And, and Python was considered to be a fortune-telling god, and, and Apollo was alleged to have killed Python. And so people believed that if someone was fortune-telling back, back then in the day of, of this belief system, that they were being possessed by Apollo or Python. And so when accuracy was, was, was seen in these people, they were considered to be divine. Well, Paul knew this. Paul was a Roman citizen, right? Well, he did not want the gospel being connected to anything that could be demonic. He didn't want the gospel to be recognized as something that could be considered anything of a pagan religion. And he didn't want it linked to it in any possible way. And he didn't want some, some fortune-telling, demon-possessed girl. They were already accused Jesus of doing what he did by Beelzebub. They already accused Jesus of, of using the power of the devil to cast out the devil. Do you remember that? 
They already accused the disciples of using demonic power to heal people. And there was no way that Paul was going to let her be linked to his ministry at all in any way, form, or fashion. And neither will I in the name of Jesus. And so we got exasperated with listening, listening to this. And you know, it might just be that when they met this demon-possessed slave girl, that Paul didn't think that she was either going to A, follow after them, or maybe he didn't really even recognize it right off. But becoming exasperated means this, that as this thing... This demon kept saying this and being and, and trying to connect itself with Paul and Silas. Paul instantly knew by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not dealing with a Christian. I'm not dealing with a believer. I'm dealing with a demon. So let me tell you, every preacher, every person out there that claims that Jesus Christ is the way... That every person out there that's saying that this is the, this is, Jay is a good preacher, preacher of the Most High God, and they're going to teach us the way to be saved, doesn't mean that that is a godly person. Do you understand? So you better be careful who you're listening to on K-Love. You better be careful who you're listening to on all the radio stations. You better be careful on who you're reading books of because they just might be filled with a spirit of divination. Who wants nothing more to be recognized as God. That's Satan's whole initiative is to be looked at and worshipped as the God of heaven. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Be so careful. That's the reason why I have one, maybe two preachers that will, that will cover me in this pulpit. Because I just don't let anybody come here. Because I understand this very concept. I understand it very, careful, very closely. So when looking at this girl, let's take a close look at this person. One day we were going down to the place of prayer. We met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was enslaved because she had a capability, a paranormal, superhuman capability. And people enslaved her to use her to make money for them. And they would go town to town... And this girl obviously had a good reputation because she brought her owners a lot of money. So you know you go looking on TV and you go listening to the radio and you turn on these crazy stations that's on there out there right now and you start looking at these people that promise to be able to tell the future and do all these kinds of things. A lot of them make a lot of money because they can do that. But they are demonically controlled. And the whole reason for you to, for them to be accurate and to tell you truthful things is to get you to keep coming to them to worship them in this divinating power, divination power that they have. And to ultimately take control of you. So the question becomes, what does it mean to be demon possessed? What does that mean? A demonic spirit, a demon, can make its way into a soul and capture the total will of its host and take total control of that life. 
I want you to hear that. A demon, if you allow it to come in by voluntary compliance to what it's all about, by putting your quote-unquote amen on what it does, do you play with Ouija boards? Do you look at tarot cards? Do you watch and partake in witchcrafty kinds of things? Then that is a kind of consent and acceptance to that type of behavior. That type of thing can then venture its way into your heart. And you can become, as I would call this, and I I would write a book on this, hostage of the devil. You can become a hostage of the devil. You can become his captive. He can take you over. Because you gave voluntary, willful compliance to its type of behavior. Now, this just, again... Satan always tries to mimic the things of God. What happens to a person who gives voluntary acceptance to Jesus Christ? You take an unsaved person that comes into the church and they hear the gospel message and they begin to feel a movement within their heart. They begin to feel the Holy Spirit reaching to them and pulling them to Jesus They don't know what it is. They couldn't tell you that that's what's going on in their heart. They just feel this something going on, this, this, this compelling to pray and to ask God to save them. And when they do, something divine happens. God comes into their heart and saves them and changes them and borns them again. And they become a new creature in Christ. And they start all over again. Brand new. Babes in Christ, saved, born again. Oh, Satan, the serpent himself will do the same thing to a person. Yet he cannot save you, nor can he born you again. But what he can do is make his way into your compliant heart when you ask of him. And there's all kinds of ways to ask him in. One, the biggest way, is to voluntarily comply and accept the things that he does and is in control of. And I'm telling you today in this world that we live in, it is so very hard to escape it. For Satan is in almost everything. He's in almost every TV movie. He's in almost every song. His his attributes and personality traits are in the words and messages of rap music and rock music and country music and all forms. He's there. And when illicit talk is being is being sang to you or shown to you on a TV screen and you're into it and you're complying with it, you're becoming more and more desensitized to what evil that it actually is. Until finally, it's a part of you. 
You don't understand what's going on, but this is, this is just a tactic. This is just a tactic of becoming a hostage of Satan. It's just a tactic. This is just one way to attack you. And it's a tactic used by the devil. By what you see, by what you hear, and by what you associate yourself to. The Bible says this, evil communications corrupts good manners. What does this mean? Who you put yourself around can definitely have a negative evil impact upon you. The Bible says that Lot and his righteous soul was vexed from day to day by what he saw and by what he heard in the town of Gomorrah. When he watched homosexuality and he watched lesbianism and he heard their talk and he heard their music and he watched their, 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 their community involvement, his soul became contaminated by what he voluntarily put himself around. Instead of running at the first sight of it, he welcomed it and became captive of the devil. Later on, his involvement, his the Satan's tactics to get into his soul showed up in his life. His wife, who God delivered from the town of Sodom and Gomorrah, even though she was delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah and Sodom was still in her heart. And the angel of God says, Do not turn and even look upon this place, for if you do, you shall surely die. And coming out of the town of Sodom and Gomorrah, instead of leaving that place and never looking back and, 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 and being filled with disgust at, the, at their disgusting lifestyle. No, she stopped, she turned and she looked back as if, to, as if to say, man, I'm missing you. And bam, God took her life. Later on in that same story, his very daughters, Lot's very daughters, got him drunk and had sexual intercourse with their dad, getting pregnant by their dad. Evil had made its way into the righteous heart by tactics of the devil. And they became hostage to his will. Eventually, Satan, over a period of time, will gain total control of its host. Oh, he's patient. He's patient. One piece at a time, one bite at a time, Satan will eventually take all of you to where you are no longer demonized, you're demon-possessed. Looking at this lady, there had been an actual time and place of an entry point of this demon entering into her heart. There was an entry point. Same thing as when someone gets saved. There is a day and a time when Jesus makes his way into a person's heart. Now the Bible talks about Jesus also leaving a heart. 
The Bible says that when a person gets saved, they've tasted of the good things of God in Hebrews chapter 6. Then coming back into the Gospels, it says this. It says that an evil spirit comes and visits that heart in which it was exercised from. When a person gets saved, the evil that's in that person's heart leaves that person's heart. And that person's heart is filled with Jesus. When that person walks away from the Lord and backslides from God, Jesus leaves that heart. And that same evil spirit comes back and checks on that heart in which it once dwelt and it finds it swept, garnished, and clean and Christ is no longer there. The scripture says that same demon goes and finds seven more, more wicked than itself and comes back and, 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 and comes back into that person's heart and the state of that person is seven times worse than what it was when they first got saved. That's what it says. Demons at work tactics of the devil to make you hostage there was a time and place when there was an entry point into this person's life then there is a stage of erroneous judgments by the possessed in vital matters here comes the growth of satan in the heart just as a person who is saved starts growing in Christ and becoming more Christ-like and making more godly judgments, the person who is being invaded by the devil starts going into a stage where they start making erroneous judgments in vital matters. The making of unethical choices or the voluntary yielding of the control of control by the possessed person to the invading spirit, even though he knows the spirit is Altering his own personality. Unethical choices in vital matters. Knowing that something's going on and wondering why. Why did I do that and not doing anything with it? Is a sign of satanic tactic. Finally. That person who's continually going down this road becomes a perfect possession. A perfect possession. So you have one entry point. Two, the stage of erroneous judgments. And the allowing of the altering of your personality and your traits. And three, finally, a perfect possession. This girl was totally possessed. Now, I've dealt with possessed people. I have been there as God's tool to extract demons from people. And I've seen them fall upon the ground foaming at the mouth. I've seen that. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. I've witnessed the power of the name of Jesus when speaking to a demon. I've seen it. I've been there. I've witnessed it. I've witnessed demons leaving souls. And it is not a pretty sight. But at the stage of perfect possession, that demon gets to a point of actually almost physically, but definitely in nature, becoming that person. That person actually starts to become almost even physically but definitely spiritually and in nature, the demon 
that possessed them. This girl was becoming the demon. It was living out its life in its host. It was speaking. It was walking, following Paul and Silas. It was acting out. It didn't care that the masters was making all this money. It just wanted to live its life out in its host, Rich. That's what they do. That's why you see these what we call crazy people doing wicked things today. And you're seeing more and more and more and more of it because society doesn't believe in this no more. Well, Satan doesn't care if you believe or not. That's immaterial. He's at work in all this evil that's going on in our country right now where the normal, the abnormal is becoming the normal. Where, where burning people out is okay and killing people because they're a cop is okay and just shooting people because they're of a color of a race or their skin is a different color is okay and it's tolerable. That's evil. That's demonic to the max. That's Satan at work in people. The Bible says where God is at there is perfect peace. Peace is an attribute of a society that is godly. That's why the Bible says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. That nation will know peace. It will know joy. It will know success like America once had, but America doesn't have anymore. The more we kick God out, the more Satan comes in and the attributes of the devil becomes alive in our society and in our people. Signs of possession. What happens to a person? There's all kinds of possessions that can happen. There are spirits, unclean spirits. There are spirits of infirmity that causes sickness, perpetual illness. There are spirits that cause people to to not be able to hear, to not be able to speak, to not be able to see, to not be able to walk, to become paralytic. These are all in the Bible. And it's all just a demon. Now, I'm not saying every one of these things is demonic if somebody has, but there is a lot of that today that is just demons causing infirmity. So what are some of the attributes? What are some of the signs of possession in people? One that we see is nakedness. One of the things that we see in the demoniac of Gadara is the fact that he was naked. Nakedness and lewdness of this way is evil in the fact that it it shows forth the body of the woman or the man in a sexual manner that causes people to react to that and causes lust. The Bible says as a man thinks, so is he. Women... Uh, today, today are more beautiful than they ever have been with the with the with the with, with the with the technology and knowledge of 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 all the of makeup and and and, and the beauty the beauty things that women uh, do in their life today. The makeup, the dress, the dress code, the things that people do today. Every woman thinks she has to look like a model. Every woman thinks she should look like some woman that just come out of a magazine. Why, when we go to the hair salon, what do we do, ladies? We look through what? And you look at some model that's what? Boy, I'd like to have hair like that. 
So I'm going to go and I'm going to have hair like that. And I'm going to go spend all this makeup. My dad said, hey, buddy, uh, you can paint a barn any way you want to. He goes, it looks better from a distance. That's what my dad always That's a Kentucky analogy. Oh, I just, uh, she's back there painting the barn. But women especially spend millions of dollars worldwide on making themselves look attractive. Right? That's what we do in society today. We take and wear less and less clothing today. Men, contrary, are clothed from neck to toe. Women, on the other hand, uh, the less we can put on them, the better off we are. I need to go to the store one day and do a video presentation. Go, okay, we're at Walmart today and here's this man's clothes over here and here's this one. Here's man's shorts right here. Shorts are from the waist down, you know, to the ankle. You know, they look like the old knickers. You know, they used to wear golfing, you know. You know, the guy with the, with the, with the plaid and checkered shirt and the funny looking hat and the socks pulled up to his knee and the, and, the, and, the, and the shorts that were that long with funny black and white shoes that looked like Ronald McDonald wore them. But the women, you got to look at a microscope to see the thread that's hanging there in your fingers. You can barely feel it. You know, it's, it's from the waist to the leg. It's that big. I, I can't even think about wearing something like that, Tom. It would kill me. It would take a team of surgeons to get me in that and out of it. And let's face it, shirts aren't made to be like this on a woman. A woman you know, spandex everything. We want to see it all, right? <laughs> Linda's shaking her head. <laughs> but nakedness is an attribute. The demoniac of Gadara showed up in front of Jesus naked. And he was cutting himself. Tattooing. Cutting. Making marks upon the skin. In a serious note. Nakedness exposing the creation that God made that's supposed to be private and intended for marriage. Is supposed to be enjoyed by the man and the woman under the, under the auspices of being of holy matrimony. Not to be put out there to create an era, a, a thought and mindset of fornication and adultery and selling things based on sex. Both to the male and both to the female. You know, like I told you guys, you know, you're going to see somebody running up and down the road. It can be 35 degrees out and this guy has got his shirt off and his speedos on running down the road as he's exercising. And everybody knows he's not hot, right? But he thinks he is. Guarantee if he had all kinds of moving parts on him and jiggle, jiggles everywhere around his waist, he wouldn't be with his shirt off, right? All this movement going on, though. He wouldn't be out there rich. You know what I'm saying? Look like he got jello hooked to his sides and stuff. He wouldn't be out there with shirt off, would he? I doubt it, man. Or or spank me across his yoga pants, you know, <laughs> with a handprint. No, he wouldn't be. But cutting, cutting is another another attribute of demonology. Why do people cut themselves? Why do people pierce themselves? Why do people inject ink into their body to, to, to put portraits and things upon their body? This is, this is another sign of possession. Contortions. 
contortions of the body. I, I had seen this in, the, in God's ministry that he has put me in. I've seen people do things with their body that you typically couldn't do under normal instances. Twisting the lady that sat down on the pew and put her head right beside her behind and was in a perfect hue. Demon possessed, fully possessed this woman was. She literally sat there like you are on the pew right now. And imagine the top of your head being right next to your behind. She did that. In the scripture, you see this. You see, you see demons taking the human body and doing things to it. You see them throwing people on the ground. You see them vomiting. You see them continually sick. You see them doing superhuman things where no man could, could, they would put him in chains and fetters and he would break them. They couldn't contain this man. They had paranormal capabilities to be able to tell the future, to be able to tell you things that no one else could know, to be able to see things that you don't see. Instantaneously, this demon-possessed slave girl knew who Paul and Silas was without even being told. She was accurate in who they were. They can tell you things that is not normal. They have paranormal capabilities. They can move things. They can do things that humans can't do. You ever, you ever look at people, my mom who was involved in, in a demon situation, always would speak of through the house, something would come flying across and break against the wall. And my mom was a very spiritual woman. And she, could, she would sit there and she would recall, she goes, listen, there will be things in your life. She goes, I remember seeing things move across the table. And there was a glass that came flying through. She goes, I could see it coming. She was in, it was not like the velocity, you know, someone throws something, you see an arc and... and it, no, it was like straight across, bam, hits the wall and breaks. My aunt, who was involved in a demon, a demon situation in her home, a demon got on top of her and held her down in her bed. She, they could hear the children up. They, they got to the point, her and my uncle who lived on Valley Road off of Route 35 up there in an old, old farmhouse which is no longer there. The silo still stands in its, in, in its place, but the home is gone. Would hear the children up bouncing off the walls and jumping on the beds. And the moment that they'd open the door, the, there was, the children were sound asleep. Undercover. Things crashing, things breaking, but no sign of anything. Things walking through the house, moving things around, but unable to be seen as it's moving it. All this going on, paranormal activity. We watch these shows, they're on TV, people are attracted to it. There is a wooing, a mysticism that normal people love. They'll flip on the television, Ooh, let's watch this, especially this time of year. There is, a, there is a, a, a paranormal power, a demonic power that begins to fill the air this time of year and fill people's hearts to attract them to the things of the dark side. Like no other time of the year. 
other signs of possession is superhuman strength. We talked about that insults and blasphemies. People that just insult and blaspheme God constantly using Jesus's name, using God's name in vain, constantly referring to to things of God and being evil, constant blasphemies. Persistent illness, you find someone who's consistently ill and no one has an explanation for it. But you're ill. You can't walk. You can't see. Well, everything's there and seems to be working. I I don't understand why this person can't hear. I don't understand why this person's this sick. Troubled by spirits. People who are constantly being troubled by spiritual things. Seeing things. I don't know how many times I've been contacted and called people saying, listen, can you come to my house? There's something going on here. There is my, my daughter seeing these, these shadowy looking things walking back and forth in her bedroom. I've went to places like that. And cast demons out of places like that. They inhabit things. They get on things. They get in people. They can be in your thoughts. They can be in your heart. They can make you think things. They can make you see things. They have capability that you do not have. And it's hard for you to recognize it because everything that you look at in this world, you try to equate in physical human life. You cannot. There are things, there is a whole other world that is affecting you that doesn't play by your rules. And that is not limited, limited to the things that humankind is limited to. You, have a, you are fighting a spiritual warfare against principalities and powers in high places. That's what the Bible says. And you, you're fighting an enemy that is infinitely stronger than you that you can't see. But you have been given the ability to recognize through the power of the Holy Spirit that's within you. Being tired of living. People that wants to commit suicide. That's Satan's ultimate mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. When a person becomes completely possessed, he or she will suffer from complete seizure of their personality by a diabolical being. That's what happens. It takes complete control of you. It allows the demon to dominate the person. And as I said before, allowing them to take total control almost physically and even to the personality of the person. So the demon then becomes the living person living on this world. That's what they want. They want to inhabit a living thing so that they can live their life in this world. Okay? Whenever the ultimate, also the part of this, whenever the gospel begins to threaten people's personal interests 
especially economic interests, you're going you're to see things like this take place. The gospel, the owners of this slave girl, instead of being happy for her, that she was delivered. I mean, you got to understand, this girl was a, possessed by a demon. Imagine the awful lifestyle that it caused her to live as it was trying to destroy her. The, the sounds, the noises, the animalistic lifestyle. I mean, she was a demon. The foaming, the, the growling, the, 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 the dirtiness, the uncleanness. And when Paul cast that demon out of her, she was normal. Instead of being happy for her, they were so enraged that it affected their personal gain that they threw them in jail for it. That attitude exists today. If the gospel starts affecting people's economic situation, then you can expect a resistance like you would not believe. That goes for everyone in this church too. Instead of being happy that God has asked, asked you to be a part of something, people will resist it because it might affect them in a negative way. That's the mindset of an evil force, not of God. Stand with me.